0: Hi, everyone. It's Kino here. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Yoga Inspiration Podcast. I truly believe that yoga has the power to change the world and that that change begins from within and then emanates outward from your heart, from your body into a wave that can transform your whole life. This episode comes less than a week before the U.S. presidential election, and I feel that this is on the minds and the hearts of so many people, particularly in the United States. So I'm going to dedicate this episode to the importance of voting and go over some of the issues that are at stake from the paradigm of the yogi's perspective. So let's dive in. It might surprise many of you to find out that I was raised in a pretty politically active family. My mom was one of the top lobbyists for the teachers union, played a pivotal role in negotiating early retirement, healthcare, and numerous other policies that benefit the teachers. She was a passionate Democrat, and in many ways she still is, but my mom volunteered for campaigns and even brought me to volunteer for political campaigns and presidential campaigns when I was a little girl. I remember meeting the presidential candidate Walter Mondale when I was a little girl. I shook his hand and it left an indelible memory within me about the importance of civic engagement and also about, well, what the dream of the United States is really all about. I remember volunteering for campaigns when I was in high school, too young to vote. One of the issues that was on the top of my mind, and still is, is the environment. I remember reading Al Gore's book, An Inconvenient Truth, and then later watching his documentary and feeling really passionate about taking action that would shift the dialogue towards positive policies to protect the earth and the environment. And it looks like we're still having that conversation all those years later. Now in the environment that we face with the presidential election coming up, I wanted to take a moment and just talk about the importance of voting and civic engagement. Lately, I've been hearing from a few people, some students, fellow yoga practitioners, friends of friends that they think their vote doesn't matter. You know, people feel like or they're telling me that they feel like they're not happy with either candidate and that this two-party system that the United States has is constantly presenting the choice between the lesser of two evils. They say that that's pretty evil too. It's just pointless. There are countless American citizens that sat out the 2016 presidential election for a myriad of reasons. Many felt a sense of disillusionment, disempowerment with the system. And again, many people just really didn't like either candidate. So they thought they'd sit home and just sit it out. There's a vast segment of eligible voters in the United States who have given up on the idea that their vote matters. While it sounds like a lot of people voted in the last election, the reality is that less than 60 percent of eligible voters voted in the 2016 presidential election. That means that over 40 percent of eligible voters stayed home. They sat out for one reason or another. If you're one of those people that didn't vote in the last election and you're on the fence about whether or not you're going to vote in this election, I'm here just to implore you, please vote. It's probably past the deadline for you to register to vote, so this would only really apply to people who've already registered. That system in and of itself is something that I really think could be updated. The idea that if you're a citizen, you need to register before you're allowed to vote seems to be an unnecessary obstacle to actually encouraging people to vote. So I feel like everybody should be able to vote. You should be able to turn up on the day of the election and bring your passport and prove that you're a citizen and vote right there and then. What's the purpose of registering months in ahead? You know, if you can verify who you are in the day, if we can be led into the country with our passport, why can't we vote with our passport? So that's another question. And I'm obviously not the one who decides that, but I, I really hope one day we move to a, a system of total enfranchisement. Regardless, there's again a vast segment of people in the United States who've just given up on the idea that their vote matters. People complain that the United States is not a democracy but an oligarchy where the rich pull the levers of power at will. And I'll admit that it's easy to feel a mixture of resentment, disgust, hopelessness, and hopelessness and disenfranchisement when. You read about billionaires donating to political causes, you might think, you know, what's my five dollars going to do? What's my vote going to do against the billions and trillions of dollars that are flung around by people who have more money than they'll ever spend in their entire life? So it's easy to turn away from politics and just think, well, it doesn't matter. It's just a bunch of rich people and bankers and billionaires and gazillionaires and CEOs and hedge fund managers and you know, big companies that are pulling the levers of power. Who am I and why does my little voice matter? It's easy to turn away when everything you see about the political environment is just more and more polarized. It's us versus them. If you don't agree with one side, you're an enemy. If you agree with the other side, then you're ostracized. I recently spoke with someone uh, whose granddaughter voted for a political party that was not in alignment with the rest of the family. And the family's immediate response was, well, they wanted to kick her out of the family. And, you know, she'd already cast her vote, so no amount of anger or even argument would have changed the fact. And families being torn apart by one person voting one way, one person voting the other way is the essence of what tears apart the fabric of a cohesive society. I really do yearn for a place where we can not hate the people we disagree with and have substantive arguments based on policy that are rooted in reason and intellect rather than a culture of personality that seems to, you know, worship salvific leaders that, you know, promise everything and honestly don't deliver that much. Even though our society is polarized, and if you didn't listen to last week's episode about how polarization happens through our through the persuasive technology algorithms, go have a listen to that. I'm here to implore you to put those algorithms down and reconsider the power of the vote. We cannot look back at history and deny and disregard the sacrifices that have been made by those who've come before us, just so that we could vote. We would dishonor those who fought with all their heart and soul so that we could cast our vote today when we just sit home and say, eh, it doesn't matter. Who cares? It doesn't matter. I don't like either candidate. It's not my favorite. My favorite person didn't win. I'll tell you, I was heavily invested in the Democratic primary this year, and my favorite candidate did not win. But that doesn't mean I'm going to sit out the election. In fact, I've already voted. And I, again, really encourage you to vote for what you believe in and try not to hate the people who disagree with you. Think for a moment, for those of you who are, dis- who are gonna thinking about sitting out the election, think for a moment of the implications that people who hold political office have on key issues. As I mentioned before, the environment. The environment is huge. There, There's a strong difference of opinion in the two political parties that are running for the office of the president this year, if we just take the environment. The current administration has pulled out of the Paris Climate Accord, which... Almost every other country in the world has signed and represents a a really powerful coming together of some of, you know, most of the countries of the whole world. The United States is a leader and the world has given its word and then removed its word. Well, if we get a change in administration, the promise is to rejoin the Paris Climate Accord. And well, I think you can hear I'm, I'm for environmental protections and you might disagree with me. But again, I'll ask you, try not to hate me for that. This is an important issue for me, so I research what the environmental policies are of every candidate, whether that's a presidential election or down-ballot elections, everything from governor to state and local representative to city commissioner. For me, the environment is really important. I live on the city of Miami Beach, and it's an island, and we face the... The reality of rising sea levels every single day. Yesterday, we had what's called king tides. The king tides are when the tides are already at the highest, and when that's combined with the storm, like it was yesterday, there's noonday flooding on the streets of Miami Beach. You're advised to stay home, and sometimes people's cars even float down the street because it's full of water. Now, the flood ends later in the day, it doesn't linger for so long, it just goes back out to sea. But I can tell you that. In the more than 20 years that I've lived on this beautiful little island, these have gotten dramatically worse. And I see the impact of beach erosion. I see the impact of climate change with increasing storms and, and rising sea levels and just everything that the city of Miami Beach has to do just to keep itself functional. This is a pretty big statement for me, something that impacts my life every day. And then another issue that I encourage everyone to take a look at is health now, when we take a look at the divergent opinions on healthcare, the current administration wants to remove the first effort that the United States made towards universal healthcare, which is called Obamacare. They have yet to propose a solution that would be an alternative. Um, the argument that's usually presented is that universal healthcare is a function of communism or socialism. And I tried to invite Tim on this podcast to talk about uh, his experience living in what's called a social democracy, Denmark. And Denmark has universal health care and universal education for all. And sometimes, maybe not Denmark, but Sweden is often mentioned in some arguments about why we should avoid that. And, you know, it's easy to disparage place you've never been. But I joked with Tim and said, I think everybody who's afraid of becoming like Sweden or Denmark should be sent on a week holiday over to Scandinavia and just see how horrible it is. According to World Happiness Studies, Denmark rates itself as the happiest country in the world. And the people who are there rated the happiest in the world. And that's pretty, that says something because the Danish and all Scandinavians are pretty understated. When Tim's having an awesome day, he usually says something like, it's not too bad. So for them to rate themselves as the happiest people in the world, I think that they're on to something over there. They certainly have lots of freedoms and freedom of expression and freedom of speech. And it seems like I experience the difference and being with Tim when we were over in Denmark. And what I noticed is that when we were, we lived in Denmark for a little bit, and I think I would have stayed over there if it was just a more sunny place. I I missed the beach and I'm so glad that we live over here in Miami, but I I respect so much about the Danish culture and Scandinavian culture. And who knows, maybe if climate change happens one day and Scandinavia is a warm, sunny place, we'll be back over there. You never know. I really do love Denmark. So shout out to all of the Scandinavians listening. I, I really keep a a big piece of Scandinavia in my heart always. So that means that I uh, really don't think there's anything to fear in becoming like Sweden or becoming like Denmark or becoming like Norway. I think this is a really wonderful model for how a social democracy can work to take care of all members of society uh, when you don't have the fear hanging over your head about whether or not you're going to go bankrupt because you're, you've got an illness and need to go visit a doctor, this really takes a, a huge burden and I think actually increases some of the core values of the United States of America, which is the, 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 that all human beings are able and you know gifted the intrinsic right to pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Well, you know, your intrinsic right to, you know, to to the pursuit of happiness is going pretty low when you're going bankrupt because of a basic medical bill. I, I uh, These are, again, I feel pretty rooted in direct experience when I'm speaking about these issues. These are the things that I think about. And I really encourage you to do your own research. Maybe you disagree with me. And again, that's OK. Vote for what you believe in. If we take a look at other issues, there's just so much that we could look at. The appointment of Supreme Court justices, social justice and police reforms, foreign policy, not to mention voting rights, corporate regulation, local government governance and numerous other issues that are on the the, the ballot, whether that's directly impacted by the presidential election or what's impacted by your state and local elections. Go and research all the issues and Let this inspire you to vote. There are very small margins these days in some places in the United States, and your vote matters, your voice matters. Think about this. If we take a look at the history of voting rights in the United States, the majority of women under 40 today, so many of you are probably women under 40, and I want you to just think about this for a moment. You probably don't have a memory of being denied a credit card, a bank account, a mortgage, a car loan. Other tools of self sufficiency for the simple fact that you were you were born a woman. My mom, she's told me stories about how she couldn't get a credit card in her own name; she had to get in her husband's name. She couldn't get a bank account in her own name; had to be in her husband's name. So think about that. This is a different world that we live in now. Go back even further, and at some moment, women were not allowed the right to vote. This we stand on the shoulders of the people that have come before us. Who have struggled hard to cast their vote? Whether you're a woman and you're casting your vote today, whether you're a person of color and you're casting your vote today, or you have to, we can think about how hard our ancestors have worked to be able to grant us the rights to vote in the United States of America. I'm going to give you a brief history of voting rights in the United States, and please keep listening. It's not too boring, and I won't go on too long, but I think it's important to really just, just to bear in mind that this is a historical fact, and hopefully this will inspire you to understand that your vote counts. In 1789, white male landowners who made up 6% of the population of the United States of America were granted the right to vote. 1856, white male taxpayers, non-landowners, got the right to vote. So we're still keeping a small percentage of the population, mostly white males, given the right to vote. 1870, non-white men and freed slaves are given the right by the 15th Amendment, the right to vote by the 15th Amendment. But Jim Crow laws in the South prevent most from voting. And some of these Jim Crow laws are actually still on the books today. I want you to think about that. After the Civil War and the Emancipation Proclamation and the right to vote, Given to non-white men and freed male slaves, that those laws are still on the books today. We're still waiting for women to get the right to vote. Well, that happens in 1920. Wow. A hundred years ago, this year. Think about that. We're celebrating a hundred years of white women, white women, being granted the right to vote. So let's celebrate that. If you're a white woman and you're listening to this, please go out and vote this election. Don't sit at home. All those women that came before the the suffragettes who rode their horses and protested the right to vote, go and claim your inheritance and let your voice be heard. 1924, Native Americans were granted citizenship and the right to vote. 1943, Asian Americans granted the right to vote. 1965, African-American, Black women, and all other minorities were granted the right to vote in the Voting Rights Act of 1965. That's going to be in the memory of some of your family if you fall within that group of Black women and other minorities. So ask your family. Hear their stories of the passage, the historic passage of the Voting Rights Act in 1965 and what that represented. 1971, adults aged 18 to 21, what we call the youth vote were granted the right to vote in response to protests against the Vietnam War that argued if you're old enough to serve you're old enough to vote 1986 american citizens living abroad granted the right to vote last year in florida convicted felons who have served their time were granted the right to vote now each of these also has its corollary act of restriction and disenfranchisement there are actions and actors who who know that if the entire United States population votes that it's highly likely they're going to lose their elections. So they do everything they can to keep people out of their ability to vote. They suppress the vote. So I really want you to stand up and claim that right to vote. There are a few sites that will help you get ready about how to vote. TurboVote is a good one so if you haven't gone to TurboVote you can check that out turbovote.org iamavoter.com vote.org I'll be sure to put these in the show notes so you can check them out but I'll just say them again turbovote.org iamavoter.com vote.org you can check your voter registration make sure it's valid and then also check out where you can actually go get the go to the polls and find out where you can cast your vote so find out that find out all of the information, research what's on the ballot, and continue to put in your work of civic engagement. So I want to really encourage you to think about the dream of the United States of America, particularly if you're living here in the U.S., the, what we could call the American dream is in many ways a work in progress. I don't believe it's complete. I don't believe this dream has reached its fruition, but I really do believe in the dream. And what I mean by that is that if we look at some of the words in the Declaration of Independence, we look at the dream of a nation founded on equality— even though perhaps that wasn't yet to be, it's definitely not yet to be realized and perhaps wasn't necessarily in the minds of original founding fathers of the United States. And, you know, the history of the U.S. is fraught with many and often horrific challenges, many of which we're just grappling with and facing now. The dream of America, of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for all, and the idea that the institution of government is bound to safeguard the social contract based on those values, this is a beautiful dream. I don't know what other country we'd want to be based on. the idea that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is truly truly available for all, and that the 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 institutions of government are are meant to safeguard those for each and every citizen. When you abdicate your right to vote, you're essentially saying that you don't believe in the dream of America anymore. Well, I think you do somewhere inside. As a yoga practitioner, if you're practicing yoga, What are we interested in? Well, what is moksha, liberation? What is kaivalya, freedom? So we're here to recognize the value of all beings. And government rooted in the equality of all beings is aligned with yogic values. We have to work to make that dream come true, just like you have to work to make any dream come true. But I believe in the dream of the United States of America, and the least I can do in support of that dream is to vote. And I encourage you to do the same. I'm for 100% enfranchisement for every citizen to vote. I'm not telling you how to vote. I'm simply imploring you to vote your conscience. Vote how you feel. Line up all of the policies, wash them up against your core values, and vote for the candidate that best aligns with your core values. The history of voting rights in the United States tells a story of hard-won battles for the right to vote. So now I just encourage you to claim that victory and get out there and vote. You can redeem a 14-day free trial and get access to our full library of over 3,000 classes and also practice yoga with me online. I'd also love to see you in class sometime. So you can find my full live in-person teaching schedule on my website, which is kinoyoga.com. And if you haven't checked out my books... I'd absolutely be honored if you'd check those out. You can find those available at any online bookseller. The Yoga Inspiration Podcast is designed to keep you inspired to get on the mat. And I hope you're leaving each episode with a little glimmer and spark of the spirit, which is the true heart of the yoga method. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. May you be happy. May you be peaceful. May you be filled with love. Namaste.